Over the past few years, generational wealth has been a hot topic in our community. Amongst our people, this has hit a cultural chord because of where we find ourselves economically relative to other race groups. For instance, in a recent study, it was established that over 60% of black households have no savings. In terms of employment, income, home ownership, we find ourselves in the bottom percentile when compared to other race groups. Generational wealth revolves around the passing of assets, both financial and cultural, down to our children and to our children's children. But as things currently stand, this is something out of our reach. The whole purpose of generational wealth is to provide our family with the platform and resources which will allow them to compete with other racial groups in the future. Because truth be told, for those who don't think generationally, you're just going to be economic slaves for those that do. And with that said, no one, and I mean no one, is superior to us. Our existence as a people in modern history has been a unique one, especially when you consider how slavery and racism have provided the fruits the West still feeds from today. Nonetheless, our role is to reverse the generational trauma with practical steps which will lead us to our salvation. The hurtful truth is that, as a community, we're more likely to pass down debt to our children than we are of assets of any kind. This is a problem because economically speaking, our community is further crippled by being in a constant state of arrested development, leaving us no hope of escaping the rat race. To drill home this point, I'm going to bring home to you a painful story my mother's friend had to endure. So my mother's friend, who we'll call Bridget, lived with her own mother because she was elderly and needed assistance. Alongside Bridget was her daughter, and like her mother, was an only child. As you'd expect, Bridget was told by her mother that once she passed away, she'd inherit everything. The money, the jewellery, other valuable items and the property. And this property was nice. Two storeys, three bedrooms, a garden, everything you'd expect from a family home. Sadly, however, things were not as clear cut as we'd hope. And this became obvious on the day her mother died. In fact... On the very day Bridget's mum passed away, she was handed papers from an attorney stating that she had 28 days to evict the property. Why? Because Bridget's mother had got into heavy debt and in order to pay for it, sold the deeds of the house on the condition that her and her family could live there until she passed away, all without telling her only child. To this day, Bridget's mother doesn't have a tombstone on her grave and sadly, Stories like this aren't rare. It happens a lot more than you'd think. You see, we need to prioritise the next generation of our community, being born on a plateau higher than the ones we were. Instead of taking pride in our children, having it as bad as we did, or in some cases, even worse. The fact of the matter is, is that when you think generationally, you make different decisions because you come to realise you're working towards something a lot bigger than yourself, which in itself takes sacrifice and long-term planning. Something that my next story was very strong in as far as one aspect, but heavily lacked in the other. So we all know about Notting Hill and how it's responsible for one of the most famous and biggest street festivals in the world. The reason why it emanated from this part in London was because it had a densely populated Caribbean community who didn't just live there, but own property there too. Property which is now valued in the millions and millions of pounds. But walk through Notting Hill today, and you'll be hard pressed to find any Caribbean in sight. 
Why is this? Well, because they either cashed out on their property or could no longer to afford the rental costs. Because after the film Notting Hill, starring Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts, people began to see the area in a different way. Instead of it appearing as an area vibrant with the arts and crafts of Caribbean culture, it was now seen as a haven, as a new haven for the upper middle classes. And because of this, property prices rose significantly and people of the Caribbean community saw this as their big payday. Unbeknownst to them, they were selling their property for pennies on the dollar. They were, they were at least happy to downsize their home and, leave in, and live in parts of the country which they found to be simpler and cheaper. You may be sitting there thinking, good for them. They deserve to live off the, the proceeds of their labour. And if you're thinking that, I agree. If you're looking at it solely from the perspective of sell gain. But when you look at it from a generational and communal perspective, we can see how, it's de how detrimental it's been. First and foremost, because it broke up a community, a community which provided jobs, cultural resonance, and a close network of kinship. And secondly, the property owners went from potentially passing down an asset in prime real estate location to just passing down cash, which gets taxed 50% by the government because of inheritance laws. But sadly, this isn't even the worst part of it, because I'm only referring to the tangible aspects of generational wealth. I haven't even gone into the cultural assets which I failed to get passed down to. Have you ever wondered how immigrants from the Caribbean who barely had a penny to their name were able to acquire a property just over a decade later? Well the chances are is that if you're Caribbean and a millennial then you wouldn't have been let in on the secret. Caribbean immigrants practiced something known as the pardon system which was a form of microfinance where people of the community would pull their money together and help each other raise funds for their purchases. This was pivotal because it came at a time when banking institutions denied them any kind of access to finance or credit and as a result forced them to lean on each other for support. This wasn't just practiced by the Caribbean community. In fact, most immigrant groups practice this in some way, shape or form. Africans, Bangladeshis, Indians, you name it. But for some reason, this process, which is no long, but for some reason, this is a process which is no longer practiced amongst the Caribbean community. And this is sad, because knowing how to fish is more important than the fish itself. So I only became aware of the partner system fairly recently, actually. And when I did, I asked my mum if she had heard of it. And the response was, how do you think I was able to afford all the things in the home when we first moved in? And that kind of told me everything that I needed to know. I have a friend who I've known since primary school. He comes from a conventional Nigerian home. Mother, father and three other siblings. His father throughout the years has acquired property and has rented them out to tenants. However, his father became a little disillusioned with the whole property game and was considering cashing out. First reason because first reason being that he was only ever breaking even when he took into consideration the mortgage repayments. Secondly, he wanted to have money there to finance his retirement. My friend, who we'll call Richard, intervened and suggested before he does that that he consider renting the four bedroom property on Airbnb instead. The result, they net over 2000 a month on this one property and divide it between the two of them. And my friend puts it straight towards um, his deposit for a new home. 
Do you see how the actions of the past affect our futures? This could be through the education being passed down concerning wealth building principles or passing down physical assets in their own right. But don't get it twisted. If you think this is all about passing down physical assets such as homes, cash, stocks and so forth, then you're heavily mistaken. Simply because 70% of wealthy families lose their wealth by the second generation and 90% lose it by the following one. Why? Because these families fail to pass down the knowledge which comes with knowing how to maintain and grow wealth. So this means that parents of the now and of the future need to focus on teaching our children on not just how to generate wealth, but also how to grow and maintain it. But we can only do this once we educate, once we educate ourselves. And to achieve this requires us having open discussions about money with our family and lifting the, and lifting the taboo which are surrounding this topic. Otherwise, we go down the road of repeating the horrid stories like that of my mother's friend, Bridget. Um, so um, that concludes um, this week's episode of, um, of, of Be More. Um, yeah, as always, thank you for listening. Um, if you're sitting there scratching your head, um, you know, wondering to yourself, like, you know, how am I going to, um, jump, jump up enough money to to get a property, or what kind of business um, can I get into um, to start actually, you know, um, creating, you know, alternative um, means of income. Um, then please, like, please, 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 um, download uh, my free ebook, which gives you over forty ways of um of actually generating um passive income and um you know these are ways in which are proven um and has provided success for a ton of people um and these are things in which you know that you don't it doesn't require you know a lot of time um or money but at the same time it requires your action you know so um yeah please download this um resource um in the in the description depending on where you're you're listening to this on um yeah so i'm gonna sign out now anyway and and i look forward to to um to seeing you on the next episode okay cool take care bye